is Jess, aka She Snaps, a popular Twitch broadcaster, photographer, entrepreneur, and mental health advocate. In this and future casts, expect to follow along with Snaps as she learns more about her mind, the world, and her fellow humans. It could get messy in here, but stick around. You might just learn something as you enter the mind of Snaps. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Mind of Snaps podcast. I'm sorry I've been gone for so long, you guys. It's just been such a mess here. The AC has gone out twice now and I'm preparing for Guardian Con and I'm an idiot. But I'm excited. I'm excited for tonight's podcast. And I say tonight because it's currently Saturday evening and I'm getting ready to record this podcast with a super nice dude. So this is going to be another new segment, we'll say, that I'm bringing into the Mind of Snaps podcast. And we're, we're going to call this just a day in the life or A-D-I-T-L. I'm going to abbreviate it to that once we put it onto the social medias and stuff because that'll be easier to remember. But anyway, whenever I meet new people, one of the things I really enjoy doing is asking them, what is a day in your life like? So I started thinking about this more and more, and I know so many people with such fascinating jobs, or at least seemingly fascinating jobs, and I wanted to get a sense of a day in their life. So this week, I'm starting out with a friend of mine who I've known since probably really early into my streaming career. He goes by Pubin Online. You might know him as Matt, which I probably will not refer to him as that because real names just trip me out. I'm used to only referring to people by the names I know them online by. Uh, But Pubin is uh, not only a Twitch streamer as well, but he's also a marine biologist. And I have always been super fascinated by the ocean. At one point, I totally wanted to be a marine biologist. I watch a lot of Shark Week. And I'm so curious about what his life is like. So this will be the first one of probably many of these. I'm going to have as many other people on as I can to keep asking what a day in their life is like. If you think of anyone else you know, or if you have a super interesting job and you think people should hear about it, let me know. Hit me up on my email, mindofsnaps at gmail.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, both are mindofsnaps, and let me know, hey, I have a fascinating job. Let me tell you about it. And then I would love to hear about it. We can talk about it on this podcast. Without further ado, though, and without me rambling like crazy, let's just, let's just get into it, man. So let me introduce my buddy, Pubin. And just for additional clarification, it goes by Pubin underscore games online. Pubin underscore game. All right, Pubin, please introduce yourself and say what's up to everybody. What's up, people? My name is Pubin. Um... And, uh, yeah, I'm a marine scientist, a.k.a. uh, coolest job in the world. (laughs) Fuck yes. Fuck yes, coolest job in the world. At least as far as I know right now. Like, this is the the first time I'm doing one of these a day in the life of things. But it's got to say something, right? That you're the first person I thought of for the very first episode. Honestly, I... I can't even I'm I'm pretty humbled that you just even asked me to do it let alone be the first one. Um no pressure, right? No no pressure at no, all. No, <laughs> no pressure at all. I mean, it's like we were talking about right before we started recording. I mean, this is my content, so I don't think people are really expecting anything too crazy. Yeah, and I was cool I was sweating just... in this puddle. I was sweating in this puddle before we started, so you know, it has nothing to do with my uh my nerves here. 
You're sweating in a puddle probably because it's hot as well, yes? This is true. It's hot as fuck here. Where are you right now? Right now, I'm in uh, St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Okay. And, okay, so here's, here's why I wanted to, to get, get pubin on this. And I was even going to say, like, I'm not calling you Matt. I saw that shit on your profile somewhere, but, like, I, I, don't, know, I don't know this Matt guy. You're, you're, you're pubin, so we're going to just stick with that. That's right. But I like, am Cuban, and I will always be Cuban to you, dude. Exactly. Ugh, all these people trying to give me these real names. Like, I don't play that game. No. No. Right. But I've been creeping on all your stuff, and I'm always <laughs> wondering where the fuck you are. So you're in St. Thomas. You're a marine biologist. You're a PhD student. I'm reading all of your shit just to make sure that, like, people know what this is. <laughs> if you look through his, his Instagram, which is actually not under the name Pubin, it's under Baldy with a goatee. You see all these awesome pictures. Yeah, right. Way to not be consistent, bro. (laughs) But I I always, I've always been super fascinated by the ocean. I think that's part of the reason you and I got along really well from the start is once we realized we had that commonality, it was like, let's talk about water. Let's talk about fish. Let's talk about awesome things. And I just think your job is so fucking cool. So you're in St. Thomas right now. You're a marine biologist. What is a typical day in the life of you? Oh, I mean, it, it kind of varies, right? So um, in, in, in what I do right now as a PhD student, you know, I'm one student in a, in a lab of multiple students. You know, there's like, say, five or six different students working in my group, each of which have projects and, and things that they're responsible for. And, you know, when okay. I'm here in the field, so it, I'm in St. Thomas right now doing my actual research. I don't live in St. Thomas year-round. We come here and we spend the summer kind of bumping around all the Caribbean. Um, okay. And, uh, like, I actually just got back from Puerto Rico yesterday. I had been in Puerto Rico working for a month. I just got back to St. Thomas yesterday. Um, wow. But for my specific work, it's it's more like a night in the life of a lot of times. Because uh, my group, really? we study. Yeah, we study fish parasites. Um, and... It's funny because it, had you asked me like five years ago or told me five years ago, hey, uh, you know, five years from now, you're going to be studying fish parasites. I'd have been like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I will not be studying no fucking fish parasites because back then I was working with sharks and I was like, yo, oh. sharks, I'm always going to be doing sharks. Um, but you kind of learn to take the opportunities that you get in this field. Um, this especially is, this when is it's very random, science. but this makes me think of a lot of doctors <laughs> that I know that wind up in the field of gynecology. <laughs> You know, because they're they're never like, yeah, I just I really wanted to to work on and and help people with their pussies really bad. Like that was my end goal. Usually it was like they they kind of veered that way during their schooling or their training and realized that they were good at it and they kind of stayed there. But, you know, obviously totally different looking at fish parasites. No, it's really the same thing. You know, I'm I'm really good at dealing (laughs) with pussies, too. And uh, that's how I ended up in this job. So, uh, okay. so, so these parasites that we work with, they, uh, they're kind of the marine equivalent of ticks. Ticks, fleas, mosquitoes, oh. right? They, they eat blood. They Ugh. drink blood. They remove blood from an animal. Um, but uh, the parasites that I work with are active at night mainly. So uh, from, from sundown until till dawn, uh, that's when they're most active. So when we're sampling for them or doing work that involves them, uh, a lot of times, you know, it requires us being in the water at night. You know, so over the last three or four years that I've been doing this work, I've literally been in the water at every possible hour you can imagine. Um, so, yeah. 
<laughs> what's what's it like doing so when you get in the water are you usually in full scuba gear so um we we do scuba when we have to um you know so so we work uh saint thomas saint john uh saint croix we work in puerto rico i was in the bahamas earlier this year we work in the british virgin islands um we work all over the place a lot of the a lot of the reefs that i work on are pretty shallow and they're snorkelable I don't know if snorkelable is a word, but they're snor- snorkelable. They're, they're snorkelable. Um, but then every once in a while, you know, we work on some deeper areas, and when you know when we have to do that, we'll we'll you know throw on the scuba. But most of what I do is actually on snorkel. Probably about seventy percent of it. Okay, well that's kind of cool though. But you're so you're getting in there at night, and you know what? No, go back, go back. So you you Rewind. said that a lot of the time. Because I have so many questions about this. I'm very excited to learn more. And I'm a very visual person, so I'm trying to get, like, a full-on mental picture. Let's go. I'll paint it for you, baby. When you say there's a bunch of us in a lab, when I hear the word lab, I'll be honest, my mind first goes to (laughs) half-baked, to to this scene where Thurgood is sweeping and the doctor asks him to go and uh, pick up the the weed from the place. That's what I picture, is like all clean, white, sterile, a bunch of people in lab coats. Is it less formal than that? Or is it like equally as, as fancy and like sterile looking? Um, most of what I do now in the past with certain work I've done, I have actually donned the white coat and the goggles and worked in like the proper, nice, beautiful, sterile, clean lab. Um, most of where I work now is, is, is a Marine lab. It's a wet lab. You know, there's lots of tanks with fish and it's, you know, the floor is always wet. There's seawater everywhere. Um, and, (laughs) and that's more of the, what a Marine lab is, um, to be honest with you, though, the lab I'm sitting in right now um, is more closer to that kind of uh, sterile type thing. You know, microscopes and centrifuges and test tubes everywhere. That's actually where I'm sitting right now. Um, <laughs> so it's closer to the sterile thing that you think of when you hear like a lab. Um, yeah. But, uh, but I need to see pictures of this. You're going to have to send us some pictures to go along with this. Maybe we'll make a, a blog post to go with it so people can creep on all your shit like I've been doing. For sure. I'll send you all the pictures. <laughs> yeah, I want to see this lab. I want to see how cool it is. And if you have a lab <laughs> coat, you need to put that on and look all serious and official and shit. You're going to see it and be like, what? This, this? It's a bunch of fucking tanks. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> uh, yeah, my, I like my, kind of know, can picture it. My white coat is actually more like, you know, a rash guard in board shorts. That's, you know, that's what I, that's what I rock most days all day. <laughs> Those rash guards are so much more comfortable and necessary than I realized until I started diving regularly, by the way. For real. For, wow. Oh. What a difference. No kidding. Um, and a, a lot of what I do also like during the day is I, I catch fish. Cause one of the ways that we sample for these parasites is we, I catch fish and then we put them in cages and we put them on the reef to collect the parasites for us. And man, catching fish, you bump into a lot of shit because we don't, we don't catch fish with like, you know, a a hook and line. It's like a a net and you're kind of trapping it in the net. It's pretty dope. Like it's honestly, I feel really cool that I'm like the best fish catcher on my team. Um, because it's like, go you. Yeah, that's right, man. I got job security. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but you know, you bump into a lot of stuff and like just today I Busted my elbow open because I bashed myself on some fire coral. And, you know, having oh. a rash guard on helps, uh, helps prevent that a little bit. Oh, oh, that's no fun. You know what's funny? <laughs> um, one of my favorite stories 
that my one of my um, dive not instructors, one of the captains of a boat I used to charter in the Keys all the time. Do you know the Christ of the Abyss statue in the Florida Keys? Oh yeah, I've, I have a picture in front of it, covering yeah, his so- attempting to cover his genitals. <laughs> Really, my goodness! Yeah. I know, I'm going so to you're help. one of the people I would have been like. I, I hope that you touch the thing. But <laughs> <laughs> so my one of the one of the captains is bringing us out to check that out once years ago when I was going to dive it, and he's talking about the usual, you know, don't touch, don't take things. Things are covered in coral and sometimes fire coral, and you don't want to fuck with that. And he tells us a story about a girl who thought it would be funny to take a picture up on the Christ of the Abyss. And for just for reference, guys, the Christ of the Abyss is kind of what it sounds like. It's it's literally like a statue of Jesus underwater. And this girl thought it would be fun to get a picture up on Jesus' shoulders. So in, like, it's pretty shallow there in her, like, really, I think just her bathing suit. She sits down on his shoulders, like, bare legs and stuff, and, like, wraps her legs around his neck and takes a picture and afterwards learns that there's fire coral all Ugh. over him. And I Ugh, laughed so hard imagining <laughs> that. Like, how do you explain that rash and everything to people? Like, yeah, so I can't sit down. I can't wear pants. I can't really do anything right now because I thought it would be a good idea to get, like, a picture acting like I was, like, piggybacking on Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not a great idea. But, yeah, if you're in the, in the water, people, don't, don't touch things. For the most yeah. part, it's not a good idea. Don't touch. What is it? Uh, take yeah. only pictures and leave only footprints. <laughs> don't touch the fucking coral. All I all I ever heard was just no touch, no take. And I'm like, yeah. okay, that's cool. I can respect that, especially because my understanding was that if you touched coral, that it's going to bleach it and die. And I love the coral, and I don't want that to happen. Yeah, coral doesn't like to be touched. Um, yeah, no. it oftentimes will lead to uh, mortality. Hmm. That's so. so sad. Okay, so you're you're the best fisherman. That's right. And <laughs> I think I think my chat will be upset at me if I don't just say like you're you're such a Cody because uh, all Codys <laughs> like to fish, obviously. But so so you're a great fisherman, and I'm imagining you catching these is almost like like lobstering. You said that you're using a net and you're kind of like chasing them around. It's it's pretty close to lobstering, actually. So I mean. If you know, I'm sure you know what a cast net is, right? You know, it's essentially a a, a net that's weighted around the outside of it, like a round net that mm-hmm. has that has weights around the outside. So what mm-hmm. we do is we, and then it pulls close. So you throw it, and then you pull the line the line through the middle of it closed, and it kind of pulls all the weights in, and fish get in in theory get trapped inside of it. But so what we do is Got we it. we cut out the line, and we just essentially have a weighted net, right? Um, and then we, you know, I'll set that up in certain places and you just kind of play the behavior of the fish and you kind of scare the, essentially scare the fish into the net and then just pinch off the net and then you have your fish. Um, that's a a simplified explanation of how to do it. Of course, everything is always easier, but then you get in the water and you have this fucking net and you're like, okay, this is a pain in the dick. Um, How big are these fish that you're catching? What, What kind of fish are you traditionally going for to, to check out these parasites? So we, I mean, so the, the parasites that I work with are, they're, they're generalist parasites. So we know of over 20 different species of fish in the Caribbean here that they, that they will parasitize. Um, but so, so, you know, I've caught everything from small, uh, small blennies that are maybe, you know, like an inch, inch, inch and a half long 
to, um, you know, I've caught the like big, big ass parrotfish, you know, just huge, oh. massive parrotfish uh, that literally what they do is just bite chunks of coral off. That's how strong. Yeah. And then are. they poop it out into sand. <laughs> I and they love take huge fish. Shit. They take massive they do. shits. I've watched them do it. Same. I've been in so many situations where I saw like like large schools of parrotfish coming at me, and you hear them crunching all that coral, and then they'll like swim right past you, and they like poot out like a big trail of sand, and it just looks fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, by the way, so I'm glad that you you obviously know what a parrotfish looks like. Um, if you have never seen a parrotfish, I need you all to go to go to the Google machine right now and Google parrotfish because they're they're like the most beautiful, dopey looking things ever. I they're super they're, dopey, but they're gorgeous. They're fucking yeah, teeth so right. and their their little little fins on the side. The way they kind of like just flutter them almost and move so gracefully, it cracks me up. But this this is my impression of a parrotfish. <laughs> that's what they look like to me it's like a real super nerd just like because <laughs> if you listen really teeth. closely you might be able to hear him make that noise <laughs> <laughs> i really think you can but those are probably like the most some of the most beautiful fish that i can remember seeing i saw this giant school of midnight blue ones once Oh, and those I are some like, of my favorite. You don't see them that often, though. And, and you, they're you have to go such a, a rich, beautiful color. Yeah. And oh. uh, just seeing them and just with the blue tint of the water, they are. Yes. Yeah. And you tend to see them. It's technically, of course, like a group of, of fish that are the same species, of course, is called a school. But the way that they yeah. the way that they move together, I always call them a herd because they just look like a herd of yeah. cows to me. Oh my god, you too? Because I always said that too. Something about the like the thickness. These are some thick fish, man. Something about the way that they move and their dopey look and their like kind of boxiness. I always thought they just looked like a bunch of weird little sea cows. Yeah, I, I always I got in the water. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I feel I feel good now that you're you're backing up my ridiculous thoughts on this. Yeah. I, I feel validated. Thank you for joining yeah. me in in the herd. You know, parrotfish herds. I need to find a video. I have a video somewhere of one of the times when I went diving. Um, oh, where was I? I want to say I was dropping into like the French reef in the Keys. Oh, and yeah, I've been there. Yeah, it's it's not as exciting as I remember it the first time. There's a lot of other reefs that I like a lot more, like molasses. But yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. dropped in and I'm waiting um, like pretty much on the sand, maybe like 30, 40 feet down and I'm waiting for everyone else to kind of get in the water and move around. And I'm just, I see a couple of like little midnight blue parrotfish start derping towards me. And I'm all excited because I think they're beautiful. And then I look off into the distance and it's like the biggest herd I had ever seen. <laughs> and I just stood, like not stood, but just stayed still where I was. And they just all came like moving right past me. And it was one of the coolest things because, like you said, you don't see the midnight blue ones quite as often. And I've never seen that many of them together at once. There were so fucking many. I don't know, maybe hundreds, honestly. It was the biggest, like, pack of them I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I, I think I've, I really think I've only seen them once, maybe twice. And I believe it was in the Keys. It was either the Keys or Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale in, in, you know, in... They're just beautiful. I, I love those Florida waters for that. Man. Okay, so you're catching fish. You're catching big guys like those awesome derp fish. You're catching little guys. 
And so these parasites that, that are on them, are, are these parasites we want? Do these, do these fishies benefit from the parasites or are they, they destroying them and, and killing them and making them sick? Uh, the, the fish, they don't, they certainly don't benefit from the parasite, right? So think of like a mosquito biting you. It's annoying. You don't benefit from it, but it's not really gonna, you know, one mosquito isn't going to do much to you. Right. But am Um, I, am I completely off base? Are there certain types or am I just thinking of like, like the symbiotic relationship between like cleaner fish and other things? Are there parasites that are beneficial for them? Um, most, most wouldn't be. So kind of the definition of like a, a parasite, a true parasite is more the the parasite, the organism gets something and the host is sort of uh, loses something, even if it's just energy or, or something that we would consider minor. Um, they, so then I'm just smoking crack, asking probably, a stupid question. Probably. Great, awesome. It's, it's funny that you mention cleaner fishes and cleaner shrimps yeah. and things like that because the parasite that I study, which, by the way, is called a nathid isopod, um, a nathid, nathid spelled with a G, G N A T H I I D, nathid. That is oh. what is consuming a four year period of my life. Nathid isopods, we call them nathids. Um, nathids <laughs> are actually the primary diet of cleaner fish. Oh. Um, so, uh, you know, some people listening might not know. So, there are fish on the reef that they. Uh, their job is to clean other fishes. And so fish come through. It's like a car wash. A fish will come through and just literally kind of park right in front of a, a big head of coral or something. And they're these small little fish. Usually they're gobies. Uh, and they kind of just swim all over the bigger fish and they remove parasites. And nathids, which again are the parasites that I study, um, are the, the primary diet of, of cleaner fishes. Ooh, cool. Yeah. That's interesting. So you said you used to you used to work with sharks. I'm sure that was super badass. Do you do you find either to be more fascinating? Because sometimes when you get into the tiny stuff, shit gets crazy. I it, oh, that's such a good question, dude. Oh my god. So like, you know, I worked with sharks. Sharks are they're dope. They're cool. They're big. They're sexy. Sharks are fucking sexy. <laughs> Who doesn't love sharks or who doesn't think sharks are I know a are lot cool of people or, who, or who, who don't like think sharks, they're, scary. they're scared of them, but they're right? wrong. Sharks like, are amazing. They're beautiful. They they elicit a response. Like you say yes. shark and people don't just go, meh, meh, fucking shark. It's all like, oh, cool or ah, fuck. You know, like it always gets a rise out of people. You say, yeah. I work on a naked isopod parasite. They're like, oh, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's great. Thanks. Um, yeah. Uh, see you later. It was nice meeting you. Um <laughs> And so, you know, like sharks have that sexy factor and they always will. They're charismatic megafauna, right? Sharks and sea turtles and dolphins and whales, you know, these big charismatic things that everybody loves. Um, Yeah, I could see that not being as fun to tell people, even though your job is still like 100% dope to go from like, yeah, I work with sharks to I work with uh, some underwater parasite. You know, (laughs) it's true, but. And, and I, I had a similar mentality when I got into it. You know, I'm like, fuck, I'm going to be studying fucking parasites. Like, what the shit do I care? I'm going to do this for four years and move on with my fucking life. Um, but honestly, they're really fucking cool. And I'll send you pictures. Or I've actually put pictures on my Insta. I don't know if you've caught them in your feed. But they're actually, like, they're really fucking cool when you see them up close. Um, they're really neat parasites. And they're super plentiful. Like, so I put 
These, so the, these parasites are anywhere between one and three millimeters long. So they're pretty small. You can see them when they're filled Am with I blood. looking at the, one of them right now? Is it this this one that's ready to burst with offspring? I'm creeping on your Instagram right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, That's a female. That's that's a, a, a female. That method. looks kind of like a tick, except it looks like it looks like there's a like a candle wick sticking out of its ass. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that, that's the little the little telson, the little tail. Um. But yeah, so so that's a female, um, and she's yeah she's got I'm, I pulled up the picture on my Insta too, so I could make sure I was looking at the right one. But yeah, so the brown the brown kind of body in there is, is actual blood. That's blood meal that she's been digesting, oh, and then she developed gross. eggs. Um, Why and, is she clear? Are they all clear like this? Yeah, they're all clear, and the only the only coloration really in them is is the blood that they um, that they that they remove that they suck. It's so weird. I want everyone to go and look at your Instagram now so they can see this. Like, I hope you're not driving when you're listening to this podcast right now, person, because if you go to Baldy with a goatee, <laughs> that's the fucking Instagram because his branding is terrible. Or go to Pubin underscore, underscore games and he'll have his Instagram linked in his pinned tweet. But like, I'm I'm looking at some of these pictures and they're just so cool. And if you see this gross little water tick looking thing. The fact that those two dark spots are blood just makes it so weird and gross and awesome because they kind of look like lungs. They they do a little bit, and that's why because I I was uh, so that Nathan in particular came from Saint Croix, and I was um, the the only way to tell. So there are um, many Someone many different species. Commented on the picture and said she thick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I just realized that. Oh, oh no, that was my a friend goodness. of mine. It's so funny. Um, (laughs) but so the only way to tell the different species, uh, of Nathan's, you know, the only way to tell one species from another, unless you're doing like genetic analysis, big, heavy lab work is to rear them to adulthood. So you take them through their juvenile stages, and then you can tell what species it is by looking at the males. Um, so I was responsible for kind of ushering these juvenile Nathan's to adulthood, um, wow! And I saw you're, that you're one, and I was like, them. <laughs> "I was like, yeah, I was rearing them, giggity." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I saw the blood meal on that one, and it split like that, and it it reminded me of lungs too. I was like, "Yo, that's so cool! I got to get fucking pictures of that and post that shit because it looks wicked." Um, so but, gross and awesome. Yeah, Nathan's Whoa, are cool I just saw too. another one of the pictures of these Nathans. This one looks like it's got some crazy ass pinchers on it. Yeah, so that's the male. So that's the, oh. they develop those pinchers when they become males, um, and not uh, not before. Um, only the males have those, and we don't even exactly know why they fucking have them. So that's the thing. Nobody has studied these things, dude. I'm like my. So you're group- finding out some like really new shit here, and everything really matters in the ocean. That's why I think it's cool that you're dealing with stuff on even like this microscopic parasitic level. It all matters. My, so my group, my lab, I call like the group of people I work with, like I refer to as my lab. My lab is one of three labs in the world that studies these. There's only like say 15 people in the world. If that right now that are actually studying these critters. Wow. And are they everywhere? Are they in oceans all over like this particular type of Nathan? They are everywhere. So that this particular Nathan that that is in that picture came from the Caribbean. Um, but Nathans in general, we have found them in shallow reefs. We found them as we found them in mesophotic reefs, like hundreds of feet down. 
Um, they've yeah. been found like over a thousand feet down. I'm pretty sure one time there's one publication that mentioned that they found them over a thousand feet deep. Um, basically, anywhere you have fish, you probably have these parasites. Wow. So what, do you have anything, like any unanswered questions about these that you're just dying to find out? Like, what are you, what are you looking at right now with them? So my, my research in particular, so a little, like before I studied naphids, before I studied this shit, I didn't study parasites. I, I, you know, I told you I worked with sharks, I worked with fish, I did some stuff with seabirds, but everything that I did centered around kind of the food web and how different things interact with each other on the food web. That's been kind of my my field of expertise throughout my my academic career is kind of analyzing food webs and analyzing who eats who and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, so my big angle here with with studying these nathids is is I want to know how do they fit into the food web, right? So what do they feed on? What are feeding on them? Um, just kind of those those basic basic questions about an animal, right? So like you live, you find yeah. an animal, you want to know where does it live, what does it eat. And what might eat it? Those are, you know, those are some of those like bottom baseline questions uh, that we still don't really know a whole lot with these, with this, you know, these kinds of parasites. Um, so basically I'm looking at how they fit into the food web and I'm looking at okay. how, how much energy they're transferring from the fish. Um, oh, that, by, by being little bloodsuckers? Yeah. Um, how do you measure something like that? So... Basically, uh, I can I can calculate the amount of volume that's inside. So the amount of volume of blood that they're removing, and then I can kind of I I look at that in terms of biomass, right? So how much mass are they removing? And I'm actually comparing that to predation rates. So I have a, a species of fish that I'm looking at, and I look at how much blood on average is being removed from these fish on the reef. And then I'm comparing that to how often these fish get eaten by predators because they're, they're smaller fish. So they get eaten by bigger grouper oh. and eels Is and the stuff idea like that. that they, like, get slowed down because they have less energy because they have less blood? Potentially, you know, uh, in areas where they're, they're getting parasitized more heavily, um, you know, they might, be, they might be less fit. They might be a little bit slower. They might be a little bit more injured. And, and you know, their body is working more on uh, healing themselves rather than giving them energy to escape predation. But um, I actually presented at a conference this year in Texas. I presented the, the kind of initial findings of this research. And in comparing the amount of energy from, that's being removed from predators, comparing that with the amount of energy that's being removed by parasites, right? So like looking at them side by side, and it's like, which one is moving more energy out of the food web? Parasites, these parasites look like they're moving roughly 50 times, 50 times more energy than predators really yeah it was like now how many of these little fuckers are you normally seeing on these fish is it just like each fish might have one or two or do they tend to wind up with a ton of them i had a fish in puerto rico two weeks ago that came back with just under 700 parasites what after sitting on the reef for 45 minutes seven hundred Sometimes, sometimes you'll get some that they come back with none. They're very patchy, right? So sometimes you get none. Sometimes you get onesie, twosie. Maybe you get 50 here. Um, but seven, it's a, it was a record. It was a new team, team record. Seven, it was 677 nathids came back on a single fish. I blew oh my, my fucking mind. It took me hours to count them all. I was just going to say, were you guys like 
pulling these off and then like dropping them in a little tin and then cheering one, two, <laughs> three, like all the way to almost 700. It was more like, man, man, this looks like a lot. Four hours later, I'm still fucking going. Don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> but then when you were done, you were like, damn, that's fascinating. Okay, so this is some, something new that we've learned. Yeah, yeah, it was. And, and I even, I took a picture and I sent it to my advisor. And, you know, he sent me back, holy fuck. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So you're, you're saying in the very scientific terms, normally there's onesie, twosies. <laughs> but this one had almost 700. That, that must have been a bit of a shock. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'd say average, an average with, with all the highs and lows that you get might be, say, like 30. You know, maybe you get okay. 20 or 30. Um, okay. 100 is a lot. I'll put it that way. 100. If I get 100, I'm like, man, this dude got, this dude got nailed. Um, yeah. And so, you know, when you, when you get fishy. 700, it's like, holy shit. Um, <laughs> and so to most people, talking about that isn't interesting. They'd rather, you know, hear about, uh, you know, how I saw a great white shark breach in South Africa and stuff like that. So. Well, I mean, you can't say something like that and then not expect people to be like, oh. I, I do it myself. When I start thinking about that, I'm like, wait, parasite? Parasite what? No, yeah, sharks. <laughs> yeah. But that's still like, I'm one of the things that I like about the ocean and one of the things that I tell people a lot, because, you know, we talk about mental health all the time and how awe is so powerful. Um, you know, just the act of, of being kind of like blown away by something. It, it's really good for your mind. And one of the first things that comes to my mind whenever I imagine that is being underwater and being really deep down and looking up and seeing fish go by and seeing all of this this crazy life and feeling like you're in a gigantic aquarium, realizing how small you are. And personally, whenever I get up close to coral reefs and stuff, that's when it really like blows my mind the most. It's like, damn, you look at everything in the vastness. You look around and you see these big fish and it is cool as shit. But then you realize that while you're looking at these giant fish going by, there's like a million tiny little activities going on right in front of you on this big rock looking thing. I think it it's a great reminder of just how small we actually are when you see that. Like, there's a whole fucking civilization on this chunk of coral going on. And as I'm staring at this, there's a turtle behind me. There's a shark that went overhead. Like, the ocean is fucking incredible, man. It, it, every, every time you, you get in, you know, it's, it's something new. There's, there's, it's like it's a different world, you know. You're, yeah. you're exploring a, a world that is completely different to yours in every way. Um, well, almost every way. And that, you know, you mentioned get, being on scuba. And to me, that's the biggest difference between snorkeling and, and diving on scuba. Because I've talked to people, I had a conversation with someone recently where they're not dive certified and they, they love to snorkel. And I said, you should get dive certified. And they're like, why? Yes. I, I told them because when you're snorkeling, it's like you visit the world, right? You get to hold your breath yes. and you go down and you visit for a second. When you dive, when you're on scuba, you you become part of the world because you're able to stay it's, down it's there like for so flying, much longer. It's like flying, man. It's so cool. Oh. It's so cool. And I just, I, I love that control. I love that sense. And I, I, I totally agree with you. Snorkeling kind of gives me anxiety that diving doesn't anymore. Like I was scared to do it initially because I'm really claustrophobic and I just have anxiety and I thought it was going to be a whole thing, but it turns out the water is like ready for you. It is ready to calm you down and make you feel less anxious and just be a part of it. 
but snorkeling, you're you're kind of limited. You can only move so much. You got to go right back up to get air. Just imagine floating and being like neutrally buoyant. You're just sitting there in the water. You're you're flying. If you want to see something at the top of a coral, you flip your fin a tiny bit. If you want to look underneath it, you flip it and turn a little bit, and then suddenly you're upside down. It's so goddamn magical. I miss diving yeah. so much. <laughs> like, imagine, you know, you're snorkeling, and you have a good breath. You go down, and you see a really cool fish sitting on a coral head, but then imagine you never have to come back up, right? Yes. You don't have to break that that interaction you're having or whatever you're watching. You don't have to break it to go up and breathe. You can... You can sit and watch something for as long as you want almost, you know, you can, you can yeah. stay down there for an hour. And that's what I would love doing. So whenever I would go diving, I would always do a wreck and then a reef. So we'd have, we would have a little bit of surface time and then go back in and do a shallower dive on the reef. And like the wreck is usually where I wanted to see some of the bigger stuff and where I generally would, you know, the, the barracuda or, or some um, sometimes tarpon and cool shit and sharks even, but then you get to the reefs, and I feel like the sharks, they were a little bit fewer in between, which is sad because of people being not nice to sharks. But I always really enjoyed just sitting in one spot and trying to watch everywhere. Because it seems like the more you move, the more you miss. It's, I don't know, there's just so much fucking going on. Yeah, I so I actually had, and I, and I still remember this, during my undergrad, I took an animal behavior class. And I remember that one of the things that he told us in the beginning was instead of trying to go and like chase after nature, just sit, sit in one spot and let it, let it come to you. And I do that a lot. I just kind of sit in one spot on a reef or, you know, in an area. And then I just watch what goes on around me instead of constantly moving because you're startling stuff. You're, you know, you're pretty big in terms of things on the reef. Just sit in one spot and you just, just let everything happen around you. And it's, it's, it's magic. It's true magic. It really is. People, I think, think that I'm full of shit when I get really excited. Like you don't understand. There is something so powerful and so incredible. Like I, I've been working a lot on my mental health. I've been feeling a lot better lately, but I don't think anything compares really to the feeling of getting out of the water after a nice long dive, like an hour underwater somewhere. It's just like you got no cares in the world, man. The everything is okay. It is so perfect. <sighs> yeah, timing. and you Have know, I mentioned that. <laughs> I I see. You know, you mentioned mental health and and working on your mental health, and being a PhD student outside of the field is fucking tough. And I've read so many articles imagine. about about how you know PhD students and grad students in general because of the 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 tremendous amount of pressure that's on you to produce and to do work and this and that. Um, there's, there's a lot of depression amongst PhD students and just grad students in general. Um, and honestly, I feel like one of my biggest saving graces is being able to work in the ocean for so much of the year because it's, it's, it's like therapy for me. So if I'm, if I'm stressed, um, about, you know, something that my advisor's hounding me on, you know, I have to get a paper written, because, of course, science doesn't stop once you collect the data. That's only, you know, a third of the battle, really. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's so much going on as a, as a PhD student or a grad student or a researcher that just being able to hop in the water and, and just being able to kind of be in that world as often as I am, it just, it just helps relieve so much of the tension that, that you tend to feel. Uh, you I know, can only imagine. 
Do you still hop in the water on your days off too? Or when you're done working and learning, do you look at the water like, nah, not today, fam? No, if, if I, now I wish I had days off, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but no, I'm, I'm in the water every day. Like I, the water is work, but then the water can just as easily in, in an instant become like therapy time or relaxation time. Um, you know, it, yeah, it doesn't change for me. So I, I I will always get in the water. Even if I've spent the entire day working in the water, I'll just kind of just float in a shallow spot or sit in the, in the surf on a beach or something. I definitely don't try and avoid it, even though I, I work in it. (laughs) Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to, I would be all about trying to spend as much time in the water as I could too. So is this, is this Puban living his dream right now? Like, did you always want to get into marine biology? It's, so it's funny. I, um, as a kid, I wanted to, like, as a young kid, I wanted to study dinosaurs, right? I wanted to be a paleontologist <laughs> in the Jurassic Park era. Um, okay. And you wanted then, to be the next Jeff Goldblum, huh? I did. I wanted to be Jeff Goldblum. I wanted to be a hybrid between Jeff Goldblum and, and Sam Neill. So I wanted to be Dr. <laughs> Grant and Ian Malcolm. Um, I wanted, I wanted the wit and the kind of sarcasm of Ian Malcolm with just the, the, I guess the intellect of, uh, of, of Dr. Grant. Um, (laughs) and, and then I also, uh, I, I loved marine biology as a kid because Jaws was one of my favorite fucking movies. I watched Jaws every, every year. I've been watching it since I was a child and I thought Matt Hooper, who's a marine biologist in Jaws, I was like, I want to be that. That guy's so fucking cool. He gets to work in the water and. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to, to work in kind of studying things ever since I was really young. Uh, but I actually, when I went away to college, I didn't have that in my mind as a career path, but I ended up coming back to it halfway through college. Interesting. What did you have in your mind as your career path then? So somewhere along the way, somewhere in high school, I think. If you I, say I, gynecology, I'm going to laugh really loud. <laughs> it's, it, I mean, it's not too far away from gynecology. I wanted to be <laughs> just a doctor, right? A medical doctor. Who knows? Had ah. I gone down that route, my sick ass might have been a gynecologist. Who the fuck knows? Um, <laughs> but I, I, in high school, I thought to myself, I, I like science. I'm good at science. Um, you know, what does someone who likes and is good at science do? You become a doctor. And so I said, well, I'm going to go to school and become a doctor without really considering anything else. I just, I just thought that's what you were supposed to do. Um, and so I went, you know, as a a biology major in undergrad with a a concentration in pre-med. Um, and I said, I'm going to go to med school and I'm going to be a doctor. And halfway through, I said, I, I don't want to be a doctor. Um, and I, I took, uh, you know, marine ecology courses and I took reptile and amphibian evolution courses. And, uh, I was like, yeah, no, I, 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 I took a course that I went to the Keys and I we did some some research and stuff in the Keys. I was like, "Fuck that! This is what I want to do. Like this is yeah. this is me." Um, and I just kind of kept going from there. That's so cool. It's nice that the the universe kind of brought you back, huh? It did. Like, who the fuck knows where where I'd be right now had I not like had that moment? It was a singular moment in my head, and and sometimes that's all it takes is one moment of making a conscious decision that can alter the entire course of your life. Yeah. So um, do you, this is just getting into like my own excitement over finding people who are doing things they really enjoy. <laughs> when you, when you had that moment, was it like, like a strong gut feeling like, yes, this is right. I'm, I'm on the right path again. Finally. 
Yeah, and and I can I can even remember the moment. We were in the Keys. We had taken the boat out. We had dropped the anchor. I put my snorkel gear on. I jumped in. I'm in the water. I look down. I see the reef. I see like my 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 class there. I see my professor, and I just kind of had this this internal moment. I'm like, th- like this is what I want to do. Like I want to keep going with this. And then there was a second moment when I did my senior research project, and I was studying sharks. And the first shark that I reeled in, because we were catching sharks to take samples from, the yeah. first shark, this was like maybe three months later, the first shark I reeled in was a young tiger shark. And Ooh. as I was reeling it in, I said, I want to be a marine biologist. Uh, uh, like, this is it. I'm, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Nobody's stopping me. I will give up whatever I have to give up. And I've, I've kept with that since then. That's so cool. So to get even more into that, if, if someone were to ask you, would you say you're happy? I, I'm, I'm lucky and I'm super happy. Yeah, absolutely. That's I'm so super awesome. Happy. I, know, I don't I, think I could the... be happier with, with that portion of my life. Okay. And do you feel it kind of bleeds out into the rest of your life, though? Like, you, I imagine you don't have as many days where you come home after work or, or wherever you're staying after work, and you're like, man, today just sucked. Day, terrible day at the office. It's, it, it's kind of all relative, right? So there are days where I come home, you know, so right now I'm staying in an apartment here on St. Thomas with, you know, with the other people on my team where we all kind of live together. And there are days where I come home and I crack a beer or, you know, I pour a little bit of rum or something like that. I'm like, fuck man, today was, today was fucking tough. Um, there's never been a day where I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore, but there are tough days. Um, but, but the, you know, like you just, I I've learned to just take the tough days and absorb them and just realize that even if you're doing what you love, even if you are in your perfect scenario, there's going to be days that, that kick you in the ass. Um, absolutely. Yeah. That's see this, this is really exciting to me doing this, this a day in the life thing now, especially, you know, starting with you, someone who has a dope job clearly (laughs) enjoys it because you even said a little bit ago, you, you knew that you were good at science and you enjoyed it. So you pursued it. You learned, you, you obviously are busting your ass to do this thing that you like. It can be taxing, challenging, but it's ultimately very rewarding. It sounds like. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I had, there was a moment um, last week, I was in Puerto Rico and we were working in Puerto Rico and uh, I had, we had fish sitting on the reef collecting parasites for us and it was just as the sun was going down and I was walking, we had come back in, I was walking along the beach and I just kind of had this moment where I stopped, like the surf was hitting me in the feet and the ankles, I looked back behind me and uh, the sun is going down, it was a gorgeous sunset, I was like, fuck, I'm like, this is this is my job. This is my job to stand here and like swim in the ocean yeah. and study things that are going on in the ocean. And you know, I, I you know, I, I get paid to be out here and <laughs> not very much, but I still get paid to be out here at you know in this gorgeous location, uh, just doing this work that is you know creating new knowledge. That's that's what what I like most about doing research specifically is. You know, you're you're creating and you're finding out the things that people might read about tomorrow that we never knew. Yeah, before. you're providing so much value to this world. 
This is so exciting to me. I, I really hope that people listening to this are, are going to get the same feeling that I get when I see people living their dreams. And you even mentioned you don't necessarily get paid very much. So many people base so much of their life on what's going to make them the most money, not what they could do and feel happy doing. And a lot of times it's as simple as what are you good at? Is there a way that you can learn more about something that you're good at and also enjoy? And can you make that into a job? Is it something that even if you didn't have all the luxuries of life that that you see all over the internet, something that you would feel happy with? Yeah. And you're doing that. It's fucking cool. I, you know, like I said, I, you know, PhD students, we don't make a lot of money. Not, I'm, I'm not, uh, not shy about that. I don't try to hide that. I don't, you know, I don't drive a super nice car. I don't even have a damn car right now. Um, but I, I find value more than, you know, I find more value in the experience and, and getting to, to do the things that I'm doing and, and getting to do the things that I want to do rather than, you know, uh, something monetary, you know, had I, had I stayed the track and, become a doctor, I'd be making way more money than I ever would, uh, you know, being a scientist. But the, the yeah. value that I feel in myself is worth way more to me than, uh, than any paycheck ever would. Well, like one of the stories I, I tell people when we talk about this, when we talk about the idea of, of you can actually do things that you like, you can have a job that you get excited to go to during the day. It doesn't have to be something that makes you a ton of money. It doesn't have to be something that everyone else agrees is cool or necessary or whatever. Do you like it? Does it feel like you have value? And one of my old dive instructors, when I was going back for my advanced certification, he told me about a time in his life where for six months, he slept on a sand floor in a tiny shack and he had to use the outdoor showers. Uh, I forget where he was on some island somewhere in beautiful warm waters. And he taught dive every day. He taught dive to, to tourists and to locals and then went right back to that tiny shack, slept on the sand floor. But he said every single morning that he woke up without anything, he was so fucking happy because he was doing what he wanted to do because he was doing something that he saw value in. Yeah, and it's... That's- it's it's times like that where you strip away everything that you realize how much you can get by without. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I I thoroughly recommend that people take take time and like strip yourself away of all the the kind of extra stuff, the cell phones, the internet. I listen. I love my Twitter and my Instagram and all that, but the times where I'm able to kind of strip it away and just go just go be somewhere and experience life without that. You realize how much you can get by without. Yeah. Life is so much more about the moments than the things. For real. Absolutely. Man, this is, see, this is super interesting. I think I'm going to really enjoy asking people about their jobs all the time. And I'm even more excited that I decided to start this out with you because I knew I was going to geek out over this shit. And hopefully, <laughs> all the other people listening get excited over ocean stuff too. Because I'm just like, I'm going to go and do some research after this. I'm going to learn more about fucking parasites and stuff. Yeah, see, they're cool. Once you get to know a little bit about them, it opens that door. And it's like, oh, man, parasites are pretty cool. Um, I, I'm like, I can't wait to, to listen to every episode that you do. I'll never, you know, I won't listen to mine because I hate the sound of my own voice like everybody Yo, does. Same. But I'm going to listen to all the damn other ones. I can't wait. 
Yeah, and this this is something when I was starting out the podcast recording, I even said for all the listeners, when I meet new people, when I'm traveling, if I meet someone and I get that sense like we click, we could have a conversation. The next thing I like to do is what is a day in your life like? What do you do? Like I met an art collector in um, Sedona, Arizona, who ran this little art shop. And I'm looking around at all the things, and he's very, like, warmly telling me and and Alex, you know, boyfriend, about everything. And I just got this sense, like, this man likes what he does. He's happy. So I pulled up a seat to his desk and was like, tell me about your life, man. What What have you been doing lately? What is a day in your life like? And then he explains how... He travels all over to to get these pieces of art and how much he's learned and how he just loves his job and his life and he learns something new every day. I'm like, that is fucking rad. And I was thinking of that guy when I was reaching out to you, like, I'm about to do the same thing with Cuban. I need to know all of the details. Like, what is it like when you wake up in the morning? What's the first thing that you do? What is your job like? And is Coffee. it fulfilling? Coffee. Coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's everyone, right? Well, not everyone. There are some some strangers out there that don't like coffee. I don't have room for those people in my life, Snaps. I'm sorry. No. Get that <laughs> devil out of here. <laughs> As I'm sitting here wearing my King's Coast cropped up. Yep. Yeah. Shout out. Get your King's Coast today. <laughs> so you're, you're, you went from sharks to parasites. Is went from parasites sharks to seabirds. Where you're? Oh, you went from sharks to seabirds, not yeah. to parasites. I with my I did my so I did my masters in England. I spent a year in England doing my masters, and I worked with seabirds while I was there. Oh, and what did you learn from the birdies? Um. Well, I uh, I learned a lot about where they like to eat. I I looked at uh, all of their foraging patterns and and stuff like that. I learned what they were eating and where they were eating it. Um. In the Celtic Sea, actually, super cool. Um, the, the data that I used that I analyzed for my master's project, some of it, I, I didn't collect these particular data that I'm telling you about now, but some of the data that I used were collected on the same Island that they filmed star Wars on the newer one, the, the newer cool. two were like Luke's Island in the newer star Wars is uh, it's called Skellig Michael. And some of my data came from that Island. That's cool. Pretty so you were you were investigating where the birds are snacking and what that's like. What um, what was the purpose of that? Was there something you were trying to prove at that point as well? It was it was more so just learning more about um, learning more about their ecology, right? So a lot of what I do and what I've done in the past is is marine ecology, right? So we take a, a study species and an animal and we look at how does it interact with its environment, how does it interact with the things it eats or the things that might eat it? Um, you know, how does it fit into its, its surroundings? Um, and the advisor that I worked with, uh, he's, he's done a lot of, uh, a lot of work with this particular kind of seabird. It's, uh, it's called a gannet. They're related to blue footed boobies and I'll throw that (laughs) out there anytime just so I can say boobies. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but he's, he's had some big time work. Uh, one of his papers got, published in science, which is like the journal to publish your work in. I mean, there's nothing higher yeah. than science. Um, so, you know, he studies all aspects of kind of how these birds fit into their bigger world. And I just did a small project for my master's just to find out, uh, you know, where they were eating and what they were eating in all the different places, basically. 
Oh, and now I'm looking at pictures of those little fuzzballs. <laughs> I see. Well, that's cool. So, okay. So then sharks to fish to parasites. What's next? Do you know? Will you not know until you're done working with parasites? I, I won't know. So part of, part of the thing uh, of being in research like this, being in academia, is um, you, you can't plan things out too well. You know, like I, I'm due to finish my Ph.D. Um, after next year. So the beginning of 2020, I should be finishing my Ph.D. At this point, okay. I have absolutely no idea where I'll go next. Um, and I can't say, oh, I want to go work um, in North Carolina or I want to go work in Southern California. It's going to be whoever has the job opening that fits, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the stuff that I know how to do or that I can easily learn how to do, um, you know, that I can, I can compete for the job. Um, uh, so, so yeah, who knows? Who know? I could, wow. I could go anywhere. I could end up living on an Island or I could end up going overseas. Uh, it's, it all depends on what, what's available when I, uh, you know, when I finish my PhD. That's fucking cool. I, for, for someone like, like with, with a great deal of anxiety, part of me is thinking like that uncertainty would drive me crazy. But then I'm also thinking that's, that's actually something that would probably really excite me. Cause I know I'm doing something that I like. It's something related to that, but different. That's that type of uh mix up in your, in your day and your life has got to keep things interesting. It's, it's definitely a double-edged sword, right? So it's super cool of, uh, of the idea, like, I don't know where I'm going to be when I finish. So, so there's so many, you know, potential opportunities. Your imagination could go so many different places. Maybe I'll, you know, maybe there will be a thing open in Africa. I'll get to go back to Africa or maybe I get to go here. But then it's like, but I, I don't, I, I don't know what it, what it's going to be. And I kind of wish I knew what it was going to be. So I didn't have to worry about what it's going to be. Um, yeah. and so it, it really is a, a double-edged sword and depending on the day, there are some days where I sit there and I'm like, fuck man, like what the hell am I going to do when I finish this? And then there are other days where I'm like, you know, it's just the next step of the adventure and we'll see when we get there. Yeah. Um, does this job impact your relationships at all? Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, romantic relationships, uh, have absolutely suffered, uh, at, at certain points during, uh, you know, my PhD and my, you know, my other, uh, academic endeavors. Um, it's tough like to stay in touch with family, you know, um, I try to, I try to stay in touch with my family as much as I can, but bumping from Island to Island, sometimes it's tough. That's one of the reasons it's funny you mentioned that. So my mom is on Instagram and she knows that I'm okay when I'm posting on Instagram because she sees all my posts and all my stories and stuff. And I actually called her today. I try to call her once every you know week or two weeks or something like that. She's like, there was like four days where you didn't post on Instagram. I was starting to get worried that you weren't okay. <laughs> oh, that has to be nerve-wracking because the ocean is certainly unpredictable. And I could see being a little spooked if I had a kid out there working on stuff like you are and seeing the pictures that I see on your Instagram here. <laughs> yeah, I, so I, I do try to kind of... That's one of the reasons why I post on like Instagram and then on my Facebook um, as often as I do, because I know that, you know, my family, my, my parents and stuff like that's kind of how they know that I'm doing OK, because, you know, I'm not able to call them every day, of course. But they know mm-hmm. if I'm able to post a picture of some cool shit I did today um, that, you know, that I'm still still upright. <laughs> Yeah, um, which is good. Upright but, uh, and on top of the water. But academia is really tough on on romantic relationships. You know, I, I was dating somebody before I went to do my master's. And then 
you know, imagine someone saying, well, I'm going to go to England for a year and, uh, you know, I, I would, I would really love to keep seeing you, but, uh, you know, I'll see you a, a year from now. You know, that, that relationship ended, uh, pretty shortly after that conversation. I could um, imagine. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's demanding. You know, I spend right now I spend, uh, basically from April to August, I'm bumping around, uh, you know, the Caribbean. So that's just kind oh. of a, a big chunk of time. The last two years, I've been able to sneak away to go to Destiny and Guardian Con. Uh, I wasn't able to do it this year. Unfortunately. Bummer! Yeah, I know. I'm so broken about it. Um, but I got to go the last two years, so I can't complain too much. Yeah. Um, at least at least you got to go because it's you know that it's awesome. You know that eventually you'll have a chance to go back again. For sure. My ass is going to be there next year. Don't. Don't get it twisted. Um, so you, you're living like this, this cool existence. You've got this dope job, but you're also on Twitch. Yeah. I haven't, well, I haven't been that? on Twitch what, as often lately. But, but what, was, what was the driving force that got you on, onto Twitch? I was, it was Destiny. It was D1. A hundred percent, man. Um, it was, so when I started on Twitch, actually, it was, it was a joint venture back in the days when I was trigger happy before I was Puban Games. Ah. Um, it was, we started that Twitch channel as a, as a clan. It was, you know, me and a few buddies. And, uh, you know, we started and we said, oh, we'll take turns streaming and blah, blah, blah. And then I ended up just taking the channel when everybody else dropped off. And then I got big into streaming and I was, I was streaming alongside doing my PhD. Um, and now I, you know, I haven't streamed since probably like February just because I was balls busy. But um, but yeah, Twitch Twitch is still super important to me, and I and I I lurk. I do more lurking now than than active chatting or streaming. But like Twitch is just part of part of my life, just like like anything else. Yeah. So do you do you stay on Twitch primarily for the community then? Yeah, it's you know all the people in streamers, not just streamers, but streamers and just people who you know viewers, all the all the different friends that I've made. Um, like, like I can't imagine, I, I, I miss when I'm not there, you know, if I'm not able to stop by someone's stream for a few weeks or something, I'm like, shit, I, I hope, hope they're doing well. I hope their streams are doing well. You know, I, I want to drop by when I can. It was just the other day I dropped in, uh, I dropped in Evil Aura stream and I love, mm-hmm. love Evil Aura. And, uh, I hadn't been in a stream in months and I felt so bad cause I, you know, I, when I'm, when I'm not in the field, I try to, you know, bump by all my friend's streams as often as I can just to say hey and stuff like that. And uh, him in particular, I hadn't been there in so long. And, you know, I, I um, yeah, just it's, it's the friends that I feel like I've made through Twitch, um, both st- streamer and viewer alike. Do you, when you started on Twitch and you've got this, this marine biology career, did you have any hopes that you'd be able to kind of tie the two together? Like, have you done any content relating to what you do in the water? I, so it's, I haven't found a way to sort of broadcast stuff while in the water, but I have one of the projects that I'm doing is I actually, I dissect fish. So I catch fish and I dissect them to see if they're eating my parasites. Oh. Um, and last year I did a series of maybe like 10 or 15 dissection streams where I would do an IRL stream from my, from my cell phone. Um, and I was like streaming me dissecting open fish and looking in, in their gut. How the fuck did I miss that? I don't know, dude. I put it out on Twitter and everything. God (laughs) damn it. That sounds rad. Did you have a lot of interest? Were people fascinated or were they like, what the fuck, bro? Just eat it. Dude, people fucking loved it. They loved it. I still get asked sometimes like, Pubin, are you going to do any more dissection streams? Those were fucking cool. 
Um, I could imagine that being so interesting because I would be right there, like asking questions, like, "What's that? What's that? What's that? Tell me more about that. Why did you just make that noise? Was that interesting? Was that bad? Is that good?" <laughs> yeah, people loved it. That's exactly how it was. You know, like uh, uh, chat. Chat was super active, uh, just asking all kinds of questions, and you know, and during that, I was you know cutting up and fish and stuff, but I would open up questioning to to whatever people wanted to ask about marine biology in general. Um, that was, was going to be my next cool. question. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, and I, I have, I had and have plans of doing more of that this year. But of course, uh, the hurricanes came through last year. So there was Hurricane oh. Irma that hit the VI pretty bad. And then Maria that did more damage on Puerto Rico. And basically every every place where I work, all of our main field sites got absolutely you know, destroyed in some ways by these hurricanes. Um, the marine lab that I'm working at right now um, actually had its roof completely ripped off of it. Um, and wow. so there's no internet down at the marine lab. Uh, so I can't, it, it, you know, I can't really do IRL streams down there until the internet gets back up down there. Okay. So where, where does the funding for these labs come from? Uh, oh, dude, that's such a good question. So um, my lab in particular is really fortunate that we are working off of a, a pretty substantial grant. Um, and that's the way most labs, uh, most you know, research groups get money to do their work is they apply for, for, for grants, for government funding. So uh, NSF, which is the National Science Foundation, is kind of the, the poster boy for, for kind of funding scientific research. Um, and three, three years ago, uh, right, right about the time I was starting as a PhD student, uh, my, my lab got a, a pretty, pretty big grant. Um, you know, we put together this huge, big proposal of all this work that we wanted to do. And then you send it off to them and they read it, look it over and they decide whether or not they want to fund your work. Um, and okay. we were accepted to get a big NSF grant and that's what we've been working off of for the last three years. Um, and now that one's kind of on its tail end, and we're actually working right now to submit kind of the next the next round of proposals to try and get get the next three years worth of money. Um, but most okay. of it, you know, you you rely on on grants um, and things like that in a lot of ways, and and kind of funding from your university. Cool. Yeah, that was just you know as you're talking about things kind of going wrong and like the roof caving in. I'm just wondering where. How do you even rebuild? Who covers that? What is where does that come from? So that's interesting. And I'm I'm super fascinated and I'm super bummed that I missed your streams on Twitch <laughs> about this stuff because I would have been geeking out over that shit. There but will be more, don't you worry. Good. Please do. And you know, um, someone who I think might you know, it's it's a totally different topic, but someone who kind of does things well, and I feel like you could do something along that same concept. Have you ever watched Skylius? No, I haven't. Tell me more. She does, she streams on Twitch and that's S-K-Y-L-I-A-S. And she does a lot of stuff relating to like astronomy and, and the universe and all this stuff. And it's super fascinating because she'll talk about stars and black holes and just all these science fiction theories even. Oh, and yeah. sometimes she just sits there in front of her computer and she'll bring up, you know, um, I can't remember the name of the engine that she uses, but she brings up this thing and she just kind of zooms around and she explains stuff in like relatively basic terms. And 
I am just like locked in. Anytime I can watch her stream, it is so fucking fascinating to me. And I could see watching you do something similar, but with the ocean, like, hey, this is where I started. Here's what I've learned from here. Do you have any questions about this area, about the fish, about whatever? I I would love it. Please do that. I would love to do that. You know, so one of the biggest disconnects in in science is taking the work that researchers do and kind of spreading it and getting it to to people who aren't in in science, people who aren't in academia to, you know, to help them learn about the things that we're learning. And I honestly, that's why I started doing the dissection streams, because I'm like, Twitch is such a great platform to be able to to show people the cool shit that we get to do um, and to, you know, teach people about, you know, what what the hell we're trying to learn and, and why we're trying to learn it. Yeah, um, why this stuff matters. Why you wasting, well, not wasting, why you spending four years or however many years wasting. looking at it's parasites on fish is, is not actually wasting time. Why you're doing all this stuff because every little thing does matter. It all impacts our world. Yeah. Um, you know, with... I'm going to say the 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 second dirty c word, uh, climate change. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, with climate change being such, and yes, climate change is real. It is real. It sucks that you even have to make a joke about that being a dirty word because, like anyone in any form of scientific field, they just accept it. It is like it's it's not just global warming. It's not every everywhere is going to be hot all the time because of this. It is climate change. Shit is going way wrong right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with climate change only increasing in, in its kind of how devastating it is. Um, the, one of the, the, the kind of, I guess, focal fields right now is, is modeling how all these different ecosystems function, right? So you know who's living where, who's eating what, so on and so forth. So that way you can take into account the the changes that climate change is causing, right? So, uh, you know, sea surface temperatures are increasing. If we know exactly Mm -hmm. how this ecosystem functions, then we can also have a good idea of how it's going to change and what's going to change as climate change uh, you know, becomes more and more prevalent. If we don't have a lot of these questions answered about how all these interactions happen in an ecosystem, then when we're trying to say, okay, well, what's going to happen to this coral reef if, uh, you know, if the sea temperature increases by two degrees? If we're missing some of those yeah. key parts of, of how that, you know, those, uh, all those processes, then we might come up with totally incorrect uh, predictions of what's going to happen. Um, so that's yeah. that's uh, underneath it all. That's one of the biggest things that that studying ecology lets you do is you can model how things respond to change. Yeah, God, you're. I'm. I'm like. I'm jealous, but I'm also not jealous. You know, because I, I obviously <laughs> love what the fuck I do. But this is something I'm super passionate about, and at some point, I want to do some kind of fundraisers for. Um, anything that allows for conservation or awareness of things that can impact our oceans. Cause I just, uh, it depresses me when I think about the future that like my, my future ankle biters might not get to see the reefs as I saw them. Conservation it's, is, is a oftentimes a depressing topic. Like you need yeah. either, you need like a puppy to hug. I've made this joke multiple times 
Like that when you're having uh, like a conservation discussion, when you walk out of the room, you need a box of puppies so everybody can just <laughs> hug a puppy when they're done. Because it's too real. It's it too is. real. It's, it's, it's real and in your face. Man, well, it's cool that you're on Twitch, though, because even just just doing those dissecting streams, you've got people interested in stuff that they might not have ever seen in their feed before. I really hope you keep doing more of those. I hope you can make that happen. And I'm going to send you Skylius' stream so you can see what I'm talking about, because it's just, it's fascinating, man. And I bet you could talk to Twitch about getting front page if you ever scheduled something. I wonder, yeah. I, I would definitely, I would love to do it. Um, and I will definitely check out her page just because anything nerdy and geeky and sciencey, you know, I'm in. But uh, yeah. I would and love she, to make a bigger so thing out of it too. on Twitch. I would love to yeah. have, I would love for science in general. Forget me. Like, I'm sure there's, there's other people that will have super cool shit to talk about as well. I would love to have like a science section of Twitch. Like, how fucking cool would that be? That would be so cool. And this is what we need to be using IRL for. We're going off on a different tangent, but most of the audience listening to this probably came from my Twitch, so that's fine. <laughs> but, like, yes, dude. Like, I know I'm one of the few people who has IRL discussions relating to mental health or mindfulness. There's not a ton of us. I know Skylius is one of the, the only people I've seen that gets on there and talks about the universe and stars and shit. We need more science on there. Science is interesting. Yeah. Twitch science, baby. I'm telling you, we should make it a thing. Yeah, we're let's just start let's everyone start a start a hashtag if you're listening <laughs> to this and you give a shit, which you should. Hashtag Twitch Science. Twitch let's, Science. Let's make this happen. Cause that would be so cool if you could go on there and see that learning doesn't always have to be just sitting in a classroom reading books. You can go to your favorite place online, watch some people play some video games, and then bounce around and learn some dope shit about fish, the ocean. Fuck yeah. And you know what? Even at this point, so I do begrudgingly have to, no offense to anybody from Arkansas, but I do have to spend time in Arkansas because <laughs> that's technically where I go to school. I'm a PhD student at Arkansas State University. But even now, like my time in class, I usually sit in class just sipping a cup of coffee at this point when I do have to take classes. Cause it's such like, once you get beyond a bachelor's degree and you get into doing your master's or your PhD and you're more specialized classes are more like a discussion rather than somebody teaching you. It's more like just an open forum where you're kind of sharing knowledge with each other. Um, and I, I usually sit back drinking a cup of coffee and it's like having a discussion with a whole bunch of people who love the same type of shit that you love. Um, That's so cool. So yeah, it's 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 pretty cool in that sense because it's it's relaxed but it's high level. Yeah, because you you all have a, a great deal of information in your brains about this because you've been learning about it for so long. And everybody who's there wants to be there. That's so cool. And you know, I, I just finished reading this book that I really enjoyed. It was um by Alan Alda. And it was, what is the, I always get the exact title right, but it's, it's something along the lines, if I, if I understood you, would I have this look on my face? Ooh, and he was very fascinated by science and by communication and a million other different things. But in all of his studies on science, the thing that he really liked the most was when he worked with scientists because they loved being proven wrong. Yeah. And I think that's such a cool concept. I've, I've been telling people that like nonstop since I heard it. 
because I, I feel that now, now that I'm really excited to learn more and I get to do shit like this with the podcast where I get to talk to people doing all kinds of different things. I'm excited to be proven wrong now because it's an, a whole new path I'm about to go on and learn all this new shit now. So I, I imagine that you're in that same place now where being proven wrong is not a, not like a hit to your ego, but it's it's a light bulb in your mind. Yeah, because, you know, um, I every time I do a project, I come up with like my my hypothesis, right? What am, what do I think it's going to be? I'm going to do this little study and I think that this it's going to go this way and this is going to happen. Regardless of whether or not I'm right, I know what the answer is. So it, I don't need to be right. Um, you know, I just need to find the answer. Um, and that's it. the cool thing is, is so long as you do the science right and you get the right answer, it doesn't matter what the fuck you thought it was going to be. Um, I love to be proven wrong because that means that, that we're progressing. Whether, you know, whether yeah. I called it right or not, it doesn't matter. You know a little more than you did yesterday. That's all we can hope for. Yeah, absolutely. I love being proven wrong. You can't so, have an ego in research. <laughs> no, no. I think, I think in general, like if you want to learn about the world, about your life, your existence, you just, you can't have an ego like that. You have to be able to accept that you could be wrong about anything and everything and know that it's okay. Like it's, it's a good thing to be wrong sometimes, as long as you can accept that and then go and learn what you were wrong about. Yeah. That's too many. So many people get caught up in, in, yeah, having that ego, always having to be right, ha- always having to have all the information. Um, and it, it happens to me. Don't get me wrong. It happens to me too. Same. But, you know, when you kind of take a step back and think about it, 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 it gives you a chance for personal growth, regardless of whether you're right or you're wrong. It, it gives you a chance to learn something, to draw something from it, and to come out of it on the other side as someone who's wiser or smarter or, or whatever. Yeah. So you obviously have the science side of it too, but it, it kind of looks like from everything that I've seen, you're also active in practicing certain aspects of mindfulness, including doing some, some yoga, which is like mindfulness plus exercise. I, I do try. Um, it's, it's, it's a way to kind of keep myself uh, centered in, in, you know, in having a life where I move around a lot and there's, there's a lot of moving pieces. Um, and I started doing yoga in particular last year and it's, it's so helpful, um, just to kind of keep my mind. If, if everything in my life is moving around, I can at least keep my mind in the right spot. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I'm so glad that you also do that as we're talking about, you know, you're, you're working through all these challenges. You're in something that is is tough but rewarding, but you're also making sure that you take time for your mind and your body, and that's so vital, in my opinion, and it's great when I get to be proven right about that. <laughs> yeah, fuck, fuck getting proven wrong there. I'm glad you're right there. Hell um, yeah, man. Plus, from what I've seen, yoga and egos tend to not go very well together. This is true. This is very true. No, yeah, especially when you're just starting out in yoga, you look like a mm-hmm. damn fool. So there's no yes. room for an ego there. You get squashed down to the floor real quick. That's what I liked about martial arts too is there there's no chance of ego cuz everyone pretty much remembers how silly they felt when they first set foot on those mats and like in jiu-jitsu when they tell you to shrimp across the ground and you're like, "What? I'm sorry, what?" 
<laughs> and then you see other people doing it and it looks so easy. Like, oh, they're kind of just like sliding along the ground. Okay, I, I'll do that. And then you lay down on the ground and you're like, I'm going to do it. And you just like flop around like a jackass. Like, <laughs> but it looks so easy. Why can I not do this? Why is standing base so tough? Why are all these like very basic looking movements so like not working with my body? But the other people there, they're not laughing at you like, ah, oh, you don't even know how to shrimp yet. They're the ones that lay down next to you on the ground and are like, okay, here's, put your leg here, move your arm like this, act as though you're pushing yourself away from someone. That that lack of ego is just so great when you're trying to learn things like that. Yeah, and, and I found that in yoga too because the, the people that I started, I actually started doing yoga last year in the field. I met a, I met a couple people. I was in St. John. And when we work in St. John, which for those of you that don't know, is in uh, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and it's a small island, we work totally off the grid. And so it was just like my group and the other research groups. And there were a couple people there that they would do yoga every day. And I had always wanted to start yoga, but I never just took that step. And then they said, come on, Matt, come, come do yoga. They don't call me Pubin, sorry. They said, come on. Do, yeah, I was you know, like, who the fuck is Matt? <laughs> like, come, do, come do yoga with us. And I'm like, no, no, no. And you know, it, it took me a little while to get over the fact that I look like a damn fool because, you know, you like you like to be good at things. I like to be good at things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kind of threw myself in the fire and, you know, I look like I still look like a damn fool half the time. But, uh, you know, I found that people in yoga tend to be so supportive and, you know, yeah. you, you never get judged. It's humbling. It's humbling for yourself, but it's not humbling because other people are making it that way. Um, you know, people and tend to be the really part supportive. of that. It goes along with um, with like learning about the ocean and with like jujitsu or martial arts in general, yoga. The first thing that you learn doesn't make you think I know so much. It reminds you how little you know. And I'm I love any experience that reminds me that I don't know shit about shit. For oh, dude, that like truest statement ever made, right there. No, it's, like no it's shit. It's great. Oh, and I'm looking at this picture of you doing your headstand over here in St. John. Just being a straight up yogi, it's pretty dope, man. That was I'm last glad that you year, do that. Yeah. Oh, That's that cool. Was one of my proudest moments was the first time I nailed the headstand. One of my proudest moments in recent memory. I I'm gonna do that. Uh, I need to learn that one. I started practicing it in one of the videos that I was working on because I do just the, like the YouTube videos at home, yeah. the yoga with Adrienne, which is awesome. But I, my dogs were being a pain in the ass, and they kept, like, pushing me over. Dogs are not supportive of yoga. <laughs> no, you know what? They are not. Everyone else is supportive of yoga, but the dogs, they, they are less supportive. They're not as helpful. Or maybe they are supportive. They're just trying to make it harder on you so you become a better yogi. <laughs> Build that core, bitch. Right. And then it's push me over. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so this this has been fucking super interesting. I'm I'm really excited to do so many more of these. I think this just jumped this off on the exact right start. I do hope you so. have any advice for like we'll we'll start with anyone who is young and thinking I want to be a marine biologist. Do you have any advice for them? If you're young and you want to be a marine biologist, um put yourself out there. Take advantage of, and this is honestly, it's more general, but it it applies to marine biology. Um, Take advantage of every opportunity you possibly can, even if it's something that you have zero interest in, right? I've never had an interest in my life in oysters, but my first marine (laughs) biology gig was actually like studying oysters. You just, you take 
every opportunity that you can get, even if it's something you don't give a shit about, and you bust your ass every single day because you never know who's watching. Um, and and yeah, just make make contacts. You always want to network. Uh, networking is re- it's really big in social media and Twitch, and I think that's why I did all right at the beginning there was because I I've done so much networking and stuff. And and I've experienced with that in my academia career. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, just meet people, put yourself out there. And if anybody's ever asking for help, always make sure your hand is the first one up. Okay. I like that. I like that. So now in terms of advice on a, on a slightly different note, we talked about how you you were kind of on a different path initially, and then, however you might want to phrase it, you know, the universe, your gut, your soul, whatever, brought you into this. You you fell into this awesome job. You realized that it was what you wanted to do. Do you have any advice for people that are thinking, I I want to do something, but I don't know if I can? Did you have moments where you doubted yourself? What kind of advice can you give to people to help them do what you're doing? Maybe not this job, but have a job that they like, pursue a passion. I I had times where I didn't know during early in my undergrad. I had times where I didn't know if science was for me. I remember in my early early science classes like general chemistry and stuff. I struggled a little bit and I was like, "Man, I don't I don't know if science in general is for me. And actually I took a semester and I took all literature classes. I was going to be like a writer or some shit. Um, (laughs) Okay. And I guess my advice would be is let yourself go through those processes. If you're, if you're doubting it, don't give up, but, but let yourself explore all the options. Um, Because it's not necessarily giving up on the thing you're focusing on right there. It's maybe opening a door to something else that might be a better fit for you. Um, yeah. And who knows that all that literature might've helped you with, with grant writing and all of the stuff that yeah. you do. Everything seems to tie in somewhere. It, it does. It's, it, you know, allow, allow yourself to be open to other opportunities. Never shut yourself off from anything, right? So allow other opportunities or other avenues to, to be explored a little bit without maybe shutting that first door all the way. Um, and, and just listen to yourself, you know, listen to your inner monologue, listen to your mind and listen to, to your feelings. It sounds cheesy as fuck, you know, listen to your feelings, but seriously, like just listen to, listen to that little voice inside your head. And, and, you know, just, if you think, if you, if you, if you are listening to that voice and you and you then respond to it and say, no, I can't fucking do that. The answer is yes, you fucking can. Hell yeah. <laughs> I get excited about that. I, I really enjoy it. Because you're, you're even talking like not every day is easy for you. I mean, you're going for your fucking PhD. I know from the people who I know who have PhDs, that is not an easy task. But it can be done. It absolutely yeah. can be done. And it's a lot easier, I think, to do when you're pursuing something that you're passionate about. Absolutely. And it's not cheesy to say trust your feelings at all. I hate that we have to make these disclaimers all the time because I, I do this too, and I'm, I'm trying to eliminate those words from my, my regular vocabulary because I tell people all the time, trust your gut. Your gut is going to tell you when it's time to leap and when it's not. Your mind might kind of fuck with you like, you're not good enough, you can't do this, but that's because of those behaviors and those thought patterns that you've established. But your gut, your gut has your back. You feel this feeling like you had those aha moments when you were doing this where you were like, this, I'm going to do this. (laughs) I had that with streaming. I started out pretty early on in my career and 
I, I quit one of my part-time jobs because I had that feeling like this, this is good for me. I don't know where it's going to go, but something here, I need to explore this further. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I trusted my gut and I made that jump. And I'm sure you're feeling the same way now, doing this, living, living on the water most of the time, doing all these incredible things, learning so much about our world and our environment. It's just, it's fucking great. Yeah. Do the thing. I'm all jazzed up and excited now. I'm Do glad you're just. You'll be happy. Dude, yes. I, like, this has been one of the best damn discussions I've had in a long time. Yeah, because you're not talking about someone who's in your field. You're talking about someone who's outside of it and fascinated by that. I know that feel, too, when people are, like, excited about Twitch and don't know anything about it. Yeah. Like, let me tell you everything. It's actually rad. (laughs) Come with me on this journey. You're going to love it. Yes, and if you had seen my actual physical reaction to that, like, my hands just flail. Like, I'm just reaching out. I'm so excited. I need to, like, squeeze and break something. (laughs) Man, well, Pubin, this was fucking great. Thank you so much for being the first one on this 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 segment or whatever. The first one to share a day in your life with me, with us. It's this has been super interesting for me, and I'm I'm thinking everyone else is going to enjoy it as well. Seriously, I I'm truly truly humbled that you asked me. I remember when the when the message came through, and I was like, what? Fuck yeah, I'm down. Hell yeah. And, <laughs> um, yeah, it's you know, you're 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 a total dude. In, in the in the best way possible, I absolutely love You're everything you do. You're a dude too, dude. And uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, anything I can ever do to to chill and chat and spread the word, you know, I'm there anytime. Hey man, you keep working on the oceans. That'll make me happy <laughs> as I see you making an impact on the oceans. Since I'm trying to get my ass back in the water, I will be happy about that. Let's go Is diving. There anything? Oh God, I need to. I need to get the boyfriend certified though, because. Because Alex isn't certified yet. We can do that. Easy. We need to we need to do that. It's it's definitely a goal. I have all these different things I'm working on, and I know that certain things, once they kind of steady or or even out a little bit, then I'll be able to dedicate the time and resources to go back to martial arts and to go back to diving. Because it's it's something that I intend to do my entire life. I'm on like a leave of absence from diving right now, but I love <laughs> it and I'm going back. Good. Man, I'm so I'm all jacked up now. I'm gonna watch dive videos or like old Shark Week episodes <laughs> or something Jaws. tonight. <laughs> oh man, I will, and I'll be like, "That's my friend. That's my friend Cuban. That's his job. That's what he does." That's oh, me, man. That's you. So, is there anything else that you want to share with anyone before we wrap this up? Um, actually, I've got some really cool news. Actually, I'll, I yeah, I haven't tweeted shit about it, but we'll break it here. It's yay. So my first first author publication was just accepted. So I will be a published author in a couple months in uh Dude, in a research journal. Dude, that's so dope. As a lead author, yeah. Um, it's the fir- my first first author publication of my career, and I'm fucking stoked about it. First of many, man. Congrats. That's fucking awesome. You're yeah. going to have to share that with us so that I can I can tweet it out, even if people won't understand a damn word you're saying. <laughs> it's It'll all, be really actually, cool. It's pretty simple. It's about where a specific species of fish shits. Awesome. Yep. Yep. I know. Okay. I know. Fish I, it. Yeah. Before the awesome was that kind of head shake. Yeah. Awesome. But uh, no, I, I honestly, my, my eyes went up into my brain and I'm just thinking like, this has lots of implications. People don't even realize it matters. This stuff matters. I wanted to title the paper, Don't Shit Where You Eat, because that's what we ended up finding out. 
But uh, when I tweet about it, that's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna call it in my tweet: is "Don't shit where you eat." But uh, that's awesome. I'm glad that I'm glad that you got to share that with us. Now I'm gonna include that in your little bio in this published author. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> published scientific author. I don't know. You you tell me the right way to say it right so that you you sound as cool as you are. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get the wording down right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, thank you so much again for being a part of this. And I'm just going to let you drop your social media wherever you want people to follow you right now. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at Pubin underscore games uh, and on Instagram at Baldy with a goatee. Uh, all one word, Baldy with an I-E at the end. Damn, that's so fucking long. I need to change that shit. Baldy with a yeah. goatee. Yeah, I'll make sure I pictures. link it as well. And then your Twitch is just Pubin Games, also Pubin underscore games? Pubin underscore games on Twitch. Twitch and Twitter. Okay, so I'm, you I'm, guys got to follow him so that when he does do more of these streams, you can tune in and learn. Yeah, we'll learn all about the ocean, the fish, the sharks, the, the whales. The poo. The poop. <laughs> I'm like the king of poop in the VI here, so... <laughs> Oh, man. Thank you again so much. I super appreciate this, dude. And I I hope you have an awesome day, man. Thank you very, very much. You're the best. You have a great day as well. Pleasant fishes. (laughs) Pleasant fishes. Yes. (laughs) So thank you for listening to this week's Mind of Snaps podcast. I am so excited about how that went. My conversation with Pubin, I really enjoyed. Make sure you guys all follow him. And if you want to see more of these, like I said at the beginning of this, please feel free to hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, email, whatever. Just just let me know if you think that your job is interesting and you could you could have a podcast episode like this where we could talk about what you do and and a day in your life. Please feel free to hit me up about that. I would love to feature you. In the meantime, make sure that you are following me on Twitter and Instagram, Mind of Snaps. YouTube is Mind of Snaps. Facebook is Mind of Snaps. Those don't get updated quite as often, but I'm working on it. And if you are interested in trying to support the efforts of this podcast and all the other things I'm working on, like the mental health resources, me being able to tour and do more speaking engagements, consider um, helping out via the Patreon, and that's patreon.com slash snaps. You get photography, and you also get Monday Morning Positivity podcasts by helping to support there. So thank you again for tuning in. And I can't wait for the next episode of the Mind Snaps podcast. Thanks for everything. I hope you have an amazing day. Bye.